fragrances, candles, room sprays, perfumes and colognes by Tessa Williams. Brilliant track there from Labyrinth. And my next guest, I am so excited and honored to have on the show today, Ben West, who is the author and he's an amazing campaigner. And his book is called This Book Could Save Your Life. Ben, it's fantastic to have you on the show today. How are you doing? Hi, Tessa. I'm really good, thank you. I'm really good. How are you? Yes, pretty good. It's quite a lovely day here in Scotland with the sun shining and, uh, yeah, having ice cream and coffee, as I just said. How about with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the weather's nice here, actually. It's been, it's pretty, pretty, it's been pretty, uh, pretty rubbish for the last couple of days. And, this, and I don't know about you, but the sun always makes me feel so much better. But it's just, it's starting to get a little bit nicer today. Yes. Well, what an amazing time for you just now, Ben. Your book is absolutely incredible. And, uh, you you know, you have helped so many people with this book and the tragic circumstances that, I don't know, kind of, um, could you say, even inspired the book have just transformed, I think, so many people's lives it's uh, incredible. It's just such a brilliant book. And um, yeah, it's uh, one of these books that I guess is really going to change the world. There's the hope. My story started back in 2017 when my brother was diagnosed with clinical depression. And then three months after I was told about his diagnosis, he um, very sadly took his own life um, when he was 15 years old. And sort of the book is based on what I've learned over the last four years about the mental health emergency that, that we that we now face and sort of I try and teach people how how to look after themselves and each other a bit better but also what needs to change in society and the reason I wrote the book and the reason I've been in mental health campaigning the reason I've done any of this stuff is to try and help that one person and uh, and it really really does mean a lot that you say that, that you think it can help and and from what the reviews I've got so far and from what people have been saying so far and the reaction it's got in the media and in, and, and you know in, in what people have been saying about it it's um <clears throat> It's uh, yeah, it's it's really the most incredible feeling because that that's the reason we started this was to try and help and to, to think that it actually has the possibility to help is a yeah, it's it's very fulfilling. It's an incredible feeling. It is. It must be. And for me also, Ben, it's incredibly poignant to discover you and your book because I sadly experienced a similar loss of my nephew uh, just a couple of months ago. Now, before reading your book, I felt so lost, so alone, and completely uh, raw nerve, but just unique about it. But your book, it covers everything so well, so detailed. It's exactly it. It's like everyone brings around food. The house is full of flowers. Um, It's incredible the way that you describe it and also chapter two of the book which you go into detail about um, the actual time when uh, Sam took his life that that chapter is one of the best throughout the book but it's also quite kind of shocking how how did you find with the writing of the book Ben? 
Um, so I've I've always sort of I've always been told that I wasn't very good at English, and we go into that in the book. Actually, me and my editor decided that we were going to put it in, and, and my my primary school told me not to sit my English exams, and and they described me on my end of year report as being a green banana that was yeah. really ready, right? Incredible. And so I've always I've always thought I've always had this thing this thought that I wasn't very good at writing. So when when we were signed the contract for the book, I was actually really nervous about you know how my how on earth am I meant to do this, and how am I meant to write it in a way that's actually going to you know, relate with people and, and stuff like this. Um, and I remember my first deadline was to write 15,000 words in a week. And I remember sitting there and I was oh. like, how, how on earth do I do that? Um, but it That's was absolutely lot. incredible. It, yeah, but it was an incredible experience. You know, it, I wrote it last summer. And yeah. I was at home and I had my laptop and it was abused. I was sitting outside for a lot of the time. And actually for me, it was the first time I'd really on my own reflected on that time and really mm. analyzed how I was feeling and what happened and, and it was obviously incredibly difficult to write especially like you said chapter two and what happened that evening yes. that was an incredibly difficult chapter to write incredibly rewarding chapter to have written because it needed to be written and it needed to be in the world and, and I yeah. needed to, to write it but it was incredibly um, difficult to write but mm-hmm. as a process the writing process was absolutely incredible and I, I did really really enjoy it and it was a uh, it was a very, it was a very, um, it was a very profound experience for me actually, in what in what it gave back to me because we wrote the book to help other people, but actually it helped me in so in so many ways. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, incredible. It's so well written the book, and it comes across. It's really um, very easy to read as well, and you've got a great sense of humour too. I love some of your jokes in it, but. Um, also, you mentioned, Ben, in the book that a lot of your ideas come from when you're um, on a train, public transport, or in the shower, which is, which is a good yeah. one. But I just wondered, where did you first get the idea for the book? Hmm, this is a good question. I don't actually <laughs> know. I don't think there was a moment where I was like, this, this, is, this is what needs to happen, and I need to write a book. I, like you said, I do get my ideas on public transport and in the shower. Um, <laughs> Which is annoying because those are sometimes the most, the least unexpected or the least prepared places to have have, to have, um, to have ideas. Right, you're not carrying a notebook in the shower. Um, but I, uh, I, there was no like point where I was like, I need to write a book. It was sort of, I've always used, to, I always used to say to people, I wish that people could understand what I now understand. I wish people could have the conversations that I'm having every day. I wish yes. people could be in this world, submerged to the extent I am, and understand this. Because if everyone had the same experience that I had without obviously having to go through the awful experience of losing a loved one, then the whole world would be better because the stuff I've learned is incredible. And I've always said that to people. Mm. And then um, I was actually on the the ITV election debate in 2019. Mm -hmm. And I I had the closing question of the debate, which was... (laughs) <laughs> which was to ask the Prime Minister, Boris, and uh, the leader of the, of the opposition, Jeremy Corbyn, on live television in front of 8 million people, I asked the question, um, what would you buy each other for Christmas? Yeah. And, <laughs> and it seems incredibly irrelevant, but actually the someone that was watching that show, uh, alongside 7.9 million other people, was a lady that worked for um, Harper Collins, the publisher, and she messaged me afterwards, and we went for, for lunch in 2019, and then we sort of just, the ball started rolling then, and we sort of started teasing with the idea of doing something, and then and then it's finally uh, it's finally out there, so it's, it's almost three years of, of, of thinking yeah. about it and work, um, and it's, it's really cool to see it actually in the world, and, 
um, now finally yeah yeah well i mean you can tell from this book that you've done so much more than really just writing a book because the book kind of catalogs the last four years and uh your campaigning work is amazing and it yeah it really is i was intrigued as well that you're talking about when you were at university and you didn't tell people really of like what you did and your background what had happened to you and then suddenly you were on a uh, news beat or something and then your flatmates like quite surprised yeah yeah well, i joined university and i was it was only a few months after you know sam died in january 2018 i joined university in september 2018 and wow. so it was very very fresh and very very raw and um, I just started all the campaigning stuff and I just started, you know, getting into that world. So it was very, very new to me. But I was, I just met these people and I remember thinking, how, how do I tell them? <laughs> how do yeah. I tell them all of this? Like, you don't just pop open a, a bottle of Prosecco and then be like, right, yeah, my brother died this year. This is what I'm doing. And, and all of this is a very difficult conversation to have. And so I didn't really know how to address it. So I didn't say anything. And then <laughs> the first time they heard it was when the Radio 1 was playing in the corner and suddenly... I was on Radio One, and they were like, "What's going on here?" Yeah. And then, uh, and then, obviously, I had to spill the beans. And, and they've been huge supporters ever since. They've been absolutely incredible with the support they've given me, those people. And I'm still friends with all of them um, yeah. today, and they're, they're they're lovely people. But it was this moment of like, hmm, how do I how do I even start to tell them all of this stuff, Matt? Um, yes. But, uh, but it went well, and and obviously, they first time they found out was through national radio, which was interesting. Yeah. Amazing, Ben. And um, it sounds like you've done so much for uh, students, people at university. Also, you've campaigned a lot, and especially during the times of COVID, which have been so hard for young people. And um, you were kind of at university just during and when COVID finished? Oh, no, when was, lockdown. Yeah, yeah. No, so I, I, was, I started university in 2018. So I was, I just almost finished second year when the pandemic started and I joined the year sort of mid-pandemic. So, so I, I really got a flavour of how bad it was mm. for some students. You know, the day I arrived, September 2020, uh, 2020 I think, yeah, no, September 2020 when I arrived into the third, third year, you know, the pandemic was full white and, and I had to isolate the day after I arrived. So oh my Lord. I arrived, yeah. And then I had two weeks in my apartment or my middle, tiny little student flat on my own um, for two weeks. And I found that really hard, you know, but I kept going back to this idea that I was in my third year. I had loads of friends in Liverpool. I'd been in Liverpool for two years. I loved the city. I knew my way around the city. I knew where I was. I knew how university worked. I'd been at university for two years. And albeit I didn't like university, at least I didn't like my course, um, but I knew how it worked, so that wasn't a mystery to me. And every time I sort of had these, like, felt lonely, I just kept thinking, imagine those people that have never lived away from home before, that don't know, know what university is, that don't know their city. These people are new to university, being forced to isolate with people they don't know. I just kept coming back to that, that, that feeling of almost yeah. fear, fear mm. on their behalf. Mm -hmm. and obviously you know I, I spoke I very sadly had to speak to families and friends of, of students that had taken their own life um, in exactly in exactly that situation um, but it was it was awful it was absolutely awful for students at that time and yeah. I think actually a lot of a lot of what happened could have been avoided 
if certain conversations and sort of prior, certain priorities were in place, um, which is obviously what I'm trying to do now is promote the idea that, that mental health needs to be a priority in a real sense, not just a priority for, you know, PR campaigns and for yeah. big flashy statements. You know, when mental health is a priority, it needs to be, you know, taken into account in every decision that takes place, especially when you're, you're you know, dealing with, with, um, with locking students up. Um, right exactly. The pandemic, but locking them Crazy. up and not, you know, not thinking about uh, putting in support for them. Um, yeah. So it was, it was very sad. And I think, you know, we've just got to learn on the back of that now and mm-hmm. try and improve support in universities, try and improve support that's available um, and, uh, and, and make sure students don't have to face the similar situation that, that, that we did in, in that horrible time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm just going to pause you there, Ben, and play a, a brilliant track, one of your favourite tracks. This is Lewis Capaldi coming up next. Feel by the wayside like everyone else. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, but I was just kidding myself So, before you go Was there something I could have said to make it all stop hurting? It kills me how your mind can make you feel so worthless So, before you go This is Chat and Spin Radio Keep it locked on chatandspinradio.com. Brilliant track there from Lewis Capaldi, Before You Go. And this afternoon, I am with Ben West, who is the amazing author of the book, This Book Could Save Your Life. And Ben, that's such a beautiful track, Before You Go. Does it mean a lot to you? Yeah, it, it really does, and um, music actually does mean a lot to me, and I, I really love escaping and, and connecting with music and connecting with lyrics, and obviously Lewis Capaldi um, wrote that song about someone in his life that, that he lost to suicide, and, and about you know the, the, the struggles that that person faced, and I, I immediately as he released it, I connected with it, and it's been you know a song that I've gone back to a lot, because like we were saying earlier, music to me is so, it's so almost therapeutic in a way, like if I'm having a bad day, I love to to sort of escape through lyrics and, and a lot of lyrics and songs sort of become like an almost uh, like a mantra yeah certain songs just sort of lift me up and certain songs just you know, like almost channel certain feelings it's uh, I love absolutely love love music for that reason yeah it's such a wonderful thing for people to have an escape are there other things that you would recommend that people can do that if they're really stuck in a difficult place what would be your kind of top um things to do yeah um, this is difficult i think obviously it really depends i mean everyone always talks about how important it is to talk and that almost becomes a little bit cliched but it is really really important and if you can manage to find someone that you can have a conversation with, that is, without a doubt, one of the best things you can do to improve uh, how you feel is is by sharing how you're feeling yeah. with a family member, a friend, with yeah. a counsellor, with a therapist, you know, with someone that you can trust with, with that information. And if it's obviously if it's severe, then, you know, a doctor or someone like that. Um, talking is really, really important, if a little bit cliched. Um but then also there's music, there's there's self-care. And I think the yeah. word self-care has almost become, it's got a, almost a stigma attached to it in itself. Well, when we say self-care, what that really means is finding something in your life that, that you can do that makes you feel better, that looks after yourself. 
And so maybe yeah. that's going for a run, going to the gym. Um, maybe it's listening to music. Maybe it's, I don't know, like going to the beach for a walk. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's, there's so many different things. Maybe it's like talking to yourself in the mirror um, or yeah, any, any number of That's things. a good one. I've tried that. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Actually, I, I used to do this a lot. You know, if you're having a bad day and you can't find someone to talk to, actually, sometimes the best person to talk to is yourself. Okay. <laughs> you can sort of say, go up to a mirror. Because mm-hmm. at uni, my uh, my toilet was right next to the mirror. So you could sit on the, the toilet lid and you could <laughs> talk to the mirror. And I used to have so many conversations in there because I think one of the biggest problems we face right now with mental health and, and one of the, I think one of the reasons that we're seeing such an increase in the number of people that are struggling is our internal dialogue, our, our sort of internal monologue with ourselves is yeah. so critical and so negative. If you really step back and analyze the things that you say to yourself during the day internally, it's almost exclusively negative. It's almost exclusively critical. It's not compassionate. It's not empathetic. Um, and actually, if you give yourself an opportunity to be more kind to yourself and and talk to yourself in a compassionate, empathetic way, um, and a really good example of this is anxiety. A yeah. lot of people feel anxious and then beat themselves up for feeling anxious. So public speaking, great example. If you go and do a public speaking event and you feel anxious and your internal voice tells you, oh, don't be stupid, why are you feeling anxious? I mean, it's only 10 people or whatever. Why are you feeling anxious and beat yourself up? Then you're just going to make that anxiety feel worse and worse and worse. But if you can actually have that internal conversation that goes, okay, I'm feeling anxious. Thank you, anxiety, for looking after me because that's the only reason anxiety exists is to keep you safe. It's a very natural feeling. It's there to keep you safe. Thank the anxiety. Realize it's there and actually compassionately tell yourself, that actually I'm, I'm not I'm not in danger I'm not in danger of being injured I'm not in danger of being hurt uh, um, and being compassionate with yourself that's huge um, that's brilliant. But our internal yeah. conversations are so negative that it's almost impossible to leave that cycle of, sure. of you know of that spiral even yeah well, that's that's a brilliant technique that's a very good idea um, also there's another chapter in the book Ben that I thought was really interesting absolutely uh, great what you must do sublimation about um you know turning the negative to the positive yeah it's 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 actually very very common it's why you see so many stories online of, of people like myself that go through a difficult time and almost use that to create something positive sublimation is the idea that that you're taking a negative thing that's happened to you and using it as a springboard to do something positive and turn those negative thoughts um, into something positive. And for me, like the only reason, or not the only reason, but one of the reasons that I really wanted or was actually desperate to do something positive and start campaigning was because you know, when Sam died, nothing in my life was good. Nothing in my life was positive. Everything was sad. Everyone was coming around my house crying. You yes. know, it was all just so so negative, right? And, yeah. and like, you know, going to the flowers and the food, it's all just reminders of this awful thing that's going on. And I'm such a positive person. I'm not serious. I like having a laugh with people. Yeah. Um, you know, I like to joke around. And, and at that point, there was nothing happy or fun or positive. And so I wanted something positive to do. And campaigning 
was such a positive thing and trying to create change, trying to help people was such a positive thing. That's why I started it, really. Um, so my first yeah. campaign was Walk to Talk. We made it bright pink. The colour was bright pink. Everyone was wearing bright pink T-shirts. It was fun. It was happy. You know, and I was just, that was my escape of trying to find something positive to do. And yeah. that sublimation is, is using a bad experience to help. And you can do that on small scales as well. Um, yeah. But it's, it's really good to, to sort of, again, it's a similar to what we were just talking about, changing our narrative and our way of looking at, at situations in, from a negative point of view to actually to a positive. Um, and and it's, a, it's an incredibly powerful tool if, if you use it properly. Yeah, you're so clever. But that walk sounded fantastic. And you had, um, you, you just started it off as an idea with some friends and then you ended up in uh, near Houses of Parliament? Yeah, yeah. So, it was, it was, again, I mean, talk about me coming up with ideas in the shower and on the train. It was actually a train idea. Was it? Brilliant. Um, it was. It was on the train. I was going on the train to London, and I thought it would be really good, actually, to get everyone. Because at this time, you know, all the messages I was receiving from people at school, all of my friends, a lot of people started talking to me about how, you know, they, they'd suffered themselves with, with, with their own mental health. A lot of friends talking to me about some of the stuff they'd gone through. And I could see all of this, but no one else was talking to each other. So I really wanted to create an event where other each people, each of these people could talk to each other and have these conversations with each other. Yeah. Um, and so I so on the train I was like, well brilliant, let's do a let's do a walk. You know, let's go for a big charity walk, let's try and raise some money, but let's also like try and get these people to talk to each other on the walk. Because I find when you're walking there's less of a barrier when you're having difficult conversations. It makes difficult conversations a little bit easier. Absolutely, so yeah. And we ended up walking 200 kilometres over 10 days from mm -hmm. my school all the way to um, the House of Parliament in London. Um, and we raised something like 15,000 pounds. I think 450 people walked wow. in. It was, yeah. it was, it was huge. It was, it was so much bigger than I ever thought it was going to be. But the impact it had on these people that came, some of the messages after the, re the response to the walk, it really, really helped people. Um, yeah, but it was uh, it was a uh, yeah. It, it just shows actually how much power just talking has because the mm -hmm. number of people that that, that I think that, that would very very uh, you know would very candidly admit that that walk has sort of changed changed their life. I think. Wow, it's yeah, that's really wonderful, so good. And Ben, have you had a lot of counselling? Would you say counselling has helped a lot? I have. So I, I had about six months last year of mm -hmm. counselling, just before I, so I ended it just just before I wrote the book last year, about oh. six months. And I, I absolutely love that. I think there's like a stigma around counselling and therapy. And absolutely. there's this idea that, that you only go to therapy or counselling because you're unwell or because mm -hmm. something's wrong. And yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely rubbish. Counseling, everyone should have a counselor. <laughs> everyone yeah. should have a therapist. Everyone should go. It's incredible. It's, it's like, I think it should be like brushing your teeth. I think everyone should just. Yes. Have it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it was absolutely incredible. It was an incredible experience. I used to, my counselor Lucy was great, and I really enjoyed it. We also used to say it's, um, it was like my weekly uh, weekly brain massage, where yeah. I'd go and have a little rummage in my brain. But obviously, you know, it's, it's like we go into this, we go into this in the book is, is trying to find the right counselor for you and trying to find the right person for you. And, and you do have to go through a few, few people that, that you don't necessarily connect with. That's um, true. Yeah. I, I found that my counselor, Lucy, we, it was, we had such a good relationship and it was, uh, it was brilliant and, and really helped me understand the way my brain was working and really understand the, 
the impact that what I went through was having on my life and, and sort of the day-to-day stuff. It was, it, was, uh, it was amazing. Yeah, brilliant. And it's interesting also that you said that even counsellors have counsellors, which just shows you how important it is if the counsellor has their own counsellor too. It's, uh, it's something though that not everyone is ready to do because um, I've been trying for a long time to uh, recommend for my sister to start counselling but she just doesn't seem ready right now. I guess everyone has to do it at their own pace. Yeah, it, it is a good point. And I always say this to people, there's such a pressure on people to talk about their mental health. There's such a pressure on people, especially nowadays, to talk, to talk. It's plastered everywhere how important it is to talk. And what people forget when they say this is actually talking about it is an incredibly brave thing to do. Yeah. It is incre- it's, ex- it's exhausting. It is incredibly brave. It is It is not something to, to, to take lightly, lightly at all. Um, and you, people shouldn't beat themselves up for not being able to, to make that first step and to talk about it. And, but I would say, you know, I think it's important sometimes to, to reflect on why you don't feel ready. I yeah. The reason is because everything's too fresh and too raw and you're still sort of in the, in the as I'm sure your sister is. As I'm, if, you, if it's because everything's too fresh and, and it's still everything's up in the air still, then that's fine. But, but maybe, you know, for other people listening, working out whether whether the reason you don't feel ready is actually maybe because you feel scared of what might come up. Because um, I know certainly for me, I, I put off counselling for three years. Wow. Basically because I was quite nervous of what might come up. I didn't understand counselling. I had no idea. My first session with Lucy, I was like, how does this? Because the way I see it, it sounds like, it sounds like magic. Um, yes. and I don't really, I don't really understand how it works still. I don't think she really understands how it works. She was just like, this is, this is, it does work. It does work but though, that is it. People, yeah. Especially when you, you know that you have some, some really awful things in your, in your mind to, to know that someone might have access to that and that they might be put out there. That's a very, very scary thing um, mm-hmm. to do. And I know that put me off from going to see someone for a very, very long time because I was so scared of it coming back to the surface. You spent yeah. so long beating it down and hiding it the thought of someone digging it back up again is it's terrifying. Yeah, but it is, it's a beautiful thing, though, that it re- can really, really help. Ben, I'm going to play another of your favourite tracks and just um, be back with you in a few moments. And this is Rudimental, Not Giving In. Well, it's time to start the show Lost my heart and lost my soul
elements, fragrances, candles, room sprays, perfumes and colognes by Tessa Williams. Another brilliant track there, Not Giving In, Rudimental, and this is one of Ben West's favorite tracks. So honored to have Ben on the show this afternoon, and uh, thank you again, Ben. Uh, such a brilliant choice, that, that song. It must mean a lot also, because um, you mentioned before about it. Yeah, it, it does mean a lot. I think, firstly, the, the lyrics are, are so are so good. Um, you know, in terms of the sentiment behind them. But for me, you know, that was the song that that I was listening to the night that um, everything happened, the twenty first January. That was the yeah. song that I was listening to. That, that yeah. and, and it's actually quite ironic, you know, because uh, obviously the title of the lyrics are so. It's almost a very, very strange coincidence that song was the one that was playing, but it, it ingrains in my mind that that was that was what was playing. So yeah, very. It's difficult. I don't. I can't say I've listened to it very often. I don't listen to that one very often um, yeah. because of the connection it has. But it's a. It's obviously an incredibly meaningful song. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just give so much help and um, mm. so much hope and inspiration to people, Ben. It's. Uh, amazing that you have you've written the book and also just wondering to ask if you will be doing any book events or if people can come and uh, hear you speak or anything or any talks about the book yes um so i we're trying to book some stuff we've got a we're trying to do a bit of a, a tour um oh, wow. uh, around sort of universities uh, we're thinking sort of September time, but that's obviously not confirmed. Um, I am coming to Edinburgh <laughs> in Excellent. June. That yeah. is confirmed for the Edinburgh um, Book Festival that's happening there on the Brilliant. weekend of the 16th, uh, 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th of June. Um, so, the, so I'm really excited about because I've never actually been to Edinburgh before, like we were saying. Yeah. Um, can't wait to come to Edinburgh, a beautiful city. It um, is. So, that is, that yeah. is a weekend that I'm coming. And, um, Fantastic. And we're trying to do that because I think connecting with real people and, and actually sharing this in you know to a room full of real people is I think so so important and that's not I know that's something I wanted to do from the start of, of writing this. Yeah, well you've you've um, touched so many people's lives, um, Ben, with this book, and then for people to be able to get a copy of the book and hear you and you know possibly meet you and speak to you about it that's just a, such a wonderful thing but i know you're very um um do a lot on social media is that something that you found is was helpful at um difficult times or do you, how is your kind of ongoing view on social media Difficult one. This is, a, this is the, the most difficult question, you know, because it is hard. Yeah, so it's been. I mean, I I won't pretend for a second that I would have got anywhere near where I am now without social media. Um, All right. I, yeah. I, I would. I wouldn't have a job. I wouldn't have an audience. I wouldn't have done this book. I wouldn't. Ha I would not have got any of this without social media. The only reason we've been able to reach an audience, reach anyone at all, is because of my Instagram specifically. Um, but then again, on the other side of that, there is this, there is a problem with social media in that it exacerbates certain issues. Um, and it's it exacerbates true, anxiety, yeah. depression. Um, mm. And personally, for me, like some of the abuse um, that you get fr from, from people, once you have a public audience, it's you sort of, for some reason, you sort of set yourself up to, to receive really abusive 
horrible messes. That and, is and shocking. Then, yeah. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not. I, I'd like to think I wasn't saying anything that was particularly out there um, or particularly mm. offensive to anyone. So, so that always surprises me. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's sad because you almost, it almost, you become insensitive or desensitized to those sorts of messages, and it doesn't affect me massively. I sort of actually most of the time I just send it to my friends and we will laugh at them. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. You know, it is a difficult one, and social media itself is, is quite damaging to a lot of people, and I know yeah, you know, they're, they're trying to change, these platforms are trying to change, but they, you can't you can't ignore the fact that I'm sure a lot of people's um, mental health is impacted really, really badly by, by their experiences online. Yeah, it, it, does, it does have quite damaging effects, but then if you can use it wisely, you can use it to your own advantage, then you know it does have its it does have its uses but you've been on all sorts of media and being on the tv and even my aunt in america um she emailed me this morning and said she'd seen you on the tv in new york too so you must be everywhere (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's been a busy week (laughs) yeah very busy week i'll give you that yeah but it's so lovely you know again it's the whole reason we wrote this was to help someone yeah, mm-hmm. the only reason that we did this was to help someone. To help I love that. To yeah, someone. and you know, if you can see it on TV, if you can get onto radio shows like you like this one. So thank you so much for having me on. Oh, and we're, we're trying brilliant. to reach a, reach that person, reach someone that this book can help. And it's about trying to get this book into an, as many people's hands as possible because I know I'm absolutely convinced the words in the book can help people. And yeah. My goal now is to try and use as much of you know all of my time and put so much into try and getting on these shows, getting that word out there. Getting yeah. in front of people, getting that book into people's hands, and, and so yeah, been a busy week, but it's been uh, very fulfilling, and I'm just glad people are people are you know coming to, to buy the book and, and and benefiting from it. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Ben. You have been absolutely brilliant, amazing to speak to you, and uh, wish you all the best. People would like to buy the book. The book is out now. This book could save your life. And Ben, I guess you are. Best place to find out about you, um, your website. Yeah. yeah, website. I'm also on all of the social media. My uh, username is at I am Ben West on all of the social media platforms. And thank you so much, Tessa. Okay. Today, lovely, lovely. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Well, hope to see you soon. Thank you. This is Chat and Spin Radio. Keep it locked on ChatandSpinRadio.com. I'm blinded by your grace. I'm blinded by your grace, by your grace I'm blinded by your grace I'm blinded by your Lord, I've been broken, oh Lord